You are Locked On Utes, your daily podcast on the Utah Utes. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome into the Locked On Utes podcast. Hope you all are doing fantastic out there in Ute Nation. Plenty to get to ahead on today's podcast. Brian, we have Pac-12 Media Day suddenly in the rearview mirror. I think we took away a few things that we're going to discuss on this edition of the show. As much as the internet tried to take away the wrong things, Jake, we're going to set them all straight here today. Talk about the Utes. Talk about where they were picked and maybe if it was wrong. We're going to talk about George Klyovkov, his showing, and we're going to talk a little bit about the Merton Shuffle. The Merton And I'm not shuffle. talking about the dance move. Yeah, there, there was a shuffle. There's no doubt about that that we need to dig into. We'll cover all of that ahead on today's show. A reminder for you guys that today's podcast is brought to you by our good friends over at the Locked On NBA channel. They have a live show tomorrow that will cover every pick of the NBA draft. NBA draft goat Chad Ford, Locked On NBA draft host Raphael Barlow, and Locked On NBA host John Corrales will be live this year covering the draft top to bottom. It's the Locked On NBA draft 2021, which is brought to you by Built Bar. Get local expert analysis on each pick. Follow Locked On NBA on YouTube today and watch the coverage beginning tomorrow at 5 o'clock Mountain Time. All right, Brian, without further ado, let's get going here on our end. This is the Locked On Utes podcast for July 28th, 2021. Once again, welcome into Locked On Utes, your daily podcast focused on all things University of Utah Athletics. I'm Jay Catch, joined as always by my fearless co-host, Brian Brown, the brown bear in the chair himself. Brian, how is it going, my friend? Jake, I had a ball yesterday, and, and that's carried over into today. So it's going to be an exciting podcast. I don't know that we'll duplicate the insanity that we had on yesterday's podcast, but hopefully our volume will be normalized. Our levels will be clean. Hopefully the ad experience will be uh, appealing to everyone here. Um, and maybe we'll talk some sports too. Like Maybe. You know, maybe. Just maybe. Maybe. But it was a fun day yesterday. Pac-12 Media Day, they packed a lot of information into one day. And I actually like when the Media Day becomes kind of a single-day event because you, you spread it out over multiple days. It just feels like it drags on and on and on. And, I, okay, I understand some of you are saying, well, the SEC does it for like a week straight. We all know that the SEC is a little bit different, and they're only going to get bigger now apparently because we have seen that both Texas and Oklahoma have officially – what are they applied to be invited to the SEC? I don't know how you apply for an invitation, but that's how it goes in the college football universe. But Brian, what were some of your initial takeaways from Pac-12 Media Day? I well, I guess let's start here. What did you make of George Klyovkov's first Media Day? Yeah, that's going to be the first thing that I was going to say. Actually, is that I thought that George Klyovkov was very impressive. His presence compared to Larry Scott was monstrously better. Uh, he actually had one for to start with. He didn't feel like that, you know, goofy, nice uncle that shows up to the family reunion and says, "Hey, how you doing there, slugger?" Uh, that you. Pre- 
you're guessing that they've never swarmed before, you know, things of that nature. And Larry Scott just never felt like he had a presence uh, at all with anybody outside of the academic world. Yeah. And I know that he ran the Women's Tennis Association, everything like that. Very intelligent man, comes from Harvard, blah, blah, blah. George Klyavkov looks like he's there to, to kick butt and take names. And and that's really what I got from his press conference. I got that his com from his comments that he is in charge of a football conference first and foremost. And that's smart because that's where all the revenue comes from. I also got that he has a very, very clear understanding of what his job is, what his assets are and why the conference really is in a position of power, despite what the internet's trying to tell me. Yeah, I think you're right on in that regard. It was encouraging to hear him say, hey, we are a football conference first and foremost. And you and I both have, uh, I think we've joked about this in the past, about the, the quote-unquote pod, uh, not podcast of champions, that's Ryan Abraham's podcast, apologies for that, the conference of champions. And that moniker, while it applies to this conference, because they win a large amount of national championships seemingly annually, we all know that football is where the bread is buttered, where the money is to be made, and Klyavkov understands that, and I was encouraged by him saying, you know what, our goal here is to win national championships in football. I think he understands that there is a challenge, obviously, for them to get over the hump and get back to winning national championships, but I'm glad to know that his focus is on that. Here's the problem, Jake, is that we're putting the cart way before the horse if we're talking about situations like that. And I know that Utah fans are sweating it as all these realignment talks are going on. But guess what, gang? Utah was not going to the college playoff, and they definitely are not going to win a national championship in the next five years. The evidence is just completely stacked against them. And while we all love the story about Rudy, it was made for Disney. It was not made for real life. Yeah. Uh, Rudy didn't have to deal with a blue chip ratio. Rudy <laughs> didn't have to deal with $45 million payouts from the SEC network. Rudy didn't have to deal with NIL and all these other things. And I, I'm, I'm being a little glib here, but that's the reality of it, right? Utah has a lot of good stuff in, in front of it. The conference is not going to be melting down. All these changes and everything that are announced are still four or five years in the future. And that's how long it takes a lot of these conversations to be had. I thought George did a good job of, of really nipping that in the bud and saying, hey, look, we're going to have the conversations. We're not going to make any moves that we don't want to make. And we feel like we're in a great position of power. He mentioned that they are the the premier conference in the mountain and the Pacific time zones. And people are going to all say like, oh, blah, blah. What, what good does that do? Well, guess what? ESPN, Fox, CBS, NBC, anybody out there who needs to fill a TV window knows that they have a huge part of America that resides in the mountain and Pacific time zones. So you're going to get those slots. You're going to get the top dollar for it. And they have to fill those even still. So he is right. They're not the SEC. They're not the Big Ten, but they're still in a position of power, and he knows it. And, uh, you know, I, I was talking on Twitter with a, a former co-worker of mine from the Alliance of American Football who worked with George. He's had this to say, understands the importance of media and the business footprint across every platform, traditional, evolving, and contemplated. And I thought that last part was really fascinating when he said contemplated because these are the things that we've not yet seen come to fruition but again, pointing out the fact that Klyavkov was with MLB Media when they first came up with the idea of streaming games in the first place. They are the premier streaming service in sports. They are the leader. MLB Advanced Media. Google it if you have to to, to learn more. So I thought all of that stuff was really 
well done, loved his presence, uh, found it interesting that he was having old uh, Merton and, and Rob Mullins up there with him. But I guess my question to you is, what did you think of it all? So I actually thought he did a good job. Like just he was poised, he was on point. That, that I took away that he understood what he was there to do. The one thing I was interested in, obviously, and we talked about this on yesterday's podcast, is how he was going to address the conference realignment rumors. And in his press conference, the quote uh, said that uh, that he believes that the departure of Texas Oklahoma from the Big Twelve for the SEC actually quote strengthens our unique position as the only Power Five conference with teams in the Mountain and Pacific times zones and he also added that we do not think expansion is required to compete and thrive but he did leave open the fact that they would evaluate any potential options down the road whether that may be uh, some of the eight teams remaining in the big 12 or who knows something you chase with the big 10 all all options i believe are on the table and it's good to hear uh, your point on the whole contemplated there are so many things it seems like that are on the horizon in media and stuff that we can't even envision ultimately panning out right now, but that will become part of our everyday lives. And if he can stay on the forefront of that, it's going to be a benefit to this conference. Yeah, and and I think he is. You know, going back to this uh, this former coworker of mine who worked with him, it, it was really fascinating to hear him talk about. He doesn't tip his hand; he's strategic. And I thought he was very strategic when he mentioned the fact that like we're having conversations gang, but like, yeah. trust me, like we're not to that point yet. And, and that should really assuage assuage as I should try not to use words that I can't pronounce. Assuage, assuage, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. He's trying to soothe the, the feelings of, of Pac-12 fans everywhere. And understandably so, you know, he's not wrong. It doesn't sound great the way that he phrased it. And, and especially not when you see it on Twitter, but really, like Oklahoma and Texas just vacated an entire time zone because now they're going to be playing on SEC time. And, and if you don't think that's the case, boy, do I have some oceanfront property in, in Nevada to sell you. And it's beautiful. It's primo. Right outside of Reno. Yeah. Uh, last word on this with Klyovkov before we move on to other topics, I think is this quote that I wanted to share with everybody. The quote is, the mandate for this group, speaking of a group that's being put together, they'll be headed up by Merton Hanks to evaluate things for Pac-12 football. It says, the mandate for this group is simple. Recommend changes to our football program with the goal of optimizing for CFP invitations and winning championships, unquote. That right there, I think, should scream everything that you hoped for and what you should expect with regards to George Klyovkov as the commissioner of the Pac-12. Merton Hanks, well, he uh, made some interesting comments in his own right, Brian, and we'll touch on those here in just a moment. Let's take a minute, though, and talk about our good friends over at BetOnline.ag. Uh, Brian, I got I to gotta say... I've been watching a lot of Olympics coverage. I have found a new favorite sport, and I need to go see what the odds are I can get. And you know what it is? Team handball. What a sport. If you have not watched it, I would encourage you to check it out. I, I have not watched it yet, but there was an interesting conversation. Uh, I feel like this is leading up to the next round of Locked On Jake and Brian training for the Olympics in Team Handball. Is it not? 
Team Handball uh, in the Winter Games, I'm going to go for curling. But, yes, we've got it all covered. But if you want to bet on this, get into the game figuratively or quite literally is what I'm trying to say, go to Bet Online. They've got all the sports covered for you, whether it's the Olympic Games over there in Tokyo, Major League Baseball, Futures Odds in NFL and college football, UFC, MMA, golf. No matter what it is, Bet Online has the answer for your sports gambling needs. Head over there on your laptop or use your mobile device and check out all their great sporting news their sign-up bonuses, and even the contest information they have available to you guys at all times. By the way, while you're there, when you make your first deposit, use the promo code LOCKEDON, L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N, for a 50% welcome bonus. 50% of whatever you deposit the first time added in is free money to bet with. Not many sports books are willing to do it, but that's exactly what BetOnline is willing to do, as they are your online sports book experts. Continuing on now with our recap of Pac-12 Media Day here on the Locked On Utes podcast. And Brian, we're going to talk about the Utes and where they were picked in the media poll here momentarily. But there was an interesting conversation that emerged from Pac-12 Media Day. And it came off of essentially one simple comment from Merton Hanks. He is the uh, is it the executive what, vice president for football operations for the conference. I don't remember his exact title. But essentially, he is overseeing all of football in the Pac-12. 12 and as I mentioned previously on this podcast just a minute ago his mandate is to get them optimized to make it into the college football playoff and hopefully win championships but we all know that Pac-12 after dark hashtag Pac-12 after dark has one key cog to it that he believes was not that big of a deal I can't believe it to be honest with you Jake and it was as someone who grew up watching Merton do his dance and and loved him on the field and argued on his behalf even when he was hired as the senior associate commissioner football operations for the Pac-12, I had to cheat and Google that. So don't, you know, that's me. That's that's what I do. I have to cheat to get ahead of Jake in in a lot of these things. Uh, It was disappointing. And, And I think the bigger part of it too that really opened my eyes to it was our good friend Josh Furlong was the one who asked him the question. And I thought Josh asked a fair question and I thought Merton was extremely dismissive. I don't care if you don't believe it. The narrative is out there. You have to find ways to correct the narrative. And being dismissive and trying to tell everybody who has eyes that you don't have a problem when you clearly do is alarming to me. This is a new regime. You have to build trust with people. Guess what everybody else just decided? Well, we got another Woody Dixon in charge of everything. And they're wrong. But not really, because this is the same story we keep hearing all the time. Yeah, and see, and that's the thing about it is you can claim that you guys don't have an officiating problem all you want, but it's very evident even to the the most casual of casual football fans when you've had just repeated incidents of just malpractice, I guess. Is that too strong of a term when it comes to officiating football games that have affected games? And we all know the whole deal with Woody Dixon, and, geez, that was a black eye for this conference. It needs to be addressed. Not only a black eye for the conference, but a black eye for Woody Dixon, who actually was a benefit uh, eventually down the road to the conference. But the one thing that you get recognized for as far as name recognition is being the dude who was calling in to overturn a play. 
Like that's not only is that out of control and just ridiculous, the fact that it leaked out also said a lot about the conference and Larry Scott's mm -hmm. leadership, but more so than that, it's just like you actually did good things for this conference. When you left during the pandemic last year, they struggled to get health and safety protocols into place. And, and you were the one who was the point at that. And, and things were progressing nicely at one point until you were gone. And this sounds like I'm defending Woody Dixon. I'm not, but this is, this is the problem, right? This is all the distrust that people have. Uh, and you know, like it, it can't be this difficult. It really can't. Um, like we all, it trends regularly. It trends during other sporting events. You know, this is clearly, if it's not an actual problem, it's a branding issue and you've got to be more on top of things than, than doing that. And, um, you know, I just, I, like, I, I just, I'm now I'm all upset because like I was thinking about this and, and now I'm getting agitated all over again. It, it, this is a solvable problem, right? Yeah. But the first part about solving a problem is admitting that you have a problem. And, I, you know, until they do that, are we really going to expect things to change? And how much does it actually sully the conference when that's the, the recognition that people have? It's the same issue with Woody Dixon, right? Yeah. Everybody recognizes him as the guy who made the bad call, and he did. Nobody will care about what happened afterwards. Yeah, to call it a misnomer when the perception of poor officiating in the conference just the wrong term and I, yeah how dare you use words i don't understand to tell me that i'm wrong <laughs> jeez come on merton <laughs> yeah like merton okay here's the thing merton is a pretty bright dude just by all accounts people i have talked to when he was hired a lot of people who applauded that hire by the pac 12 and it's just i don't know it's just it screamed to me that he had a goal in mind when it came to that question because he probably anticipated receiving some type of that of that question, that ilk of type of a question. And it just he decided, you know what, this is how I'm going to attack this head on. And I got to say, it's just, I don't know, it, it landed flat for me because, you, like you mentioned, it sounded dismissive of the question. And by the way, props to Josh Furlong for getting the question in there, uh, but... It's just, man, I look at that and say, okay, why would you decide to brush this off when it's very, very evident amongst the media, amongst the fans, amongst your own coaches, players, administrators, that you know there's a problem? Why would you say it's a quote-unquote misnomer? Yeah, like I can claim that my cookie edition is a misnomer, but there are multiple boxes in my garbage can right now to counter otherwise, and they're multicolored too, so you know that I'm sampling from different varieties and everything like that. It's a problem, and and just like, you know, I need to cut out the cookies, they need to cut out the bad calls. Like, me eating a cookie is a bad call, right? Like, we're all trying to stay healthy, I'm trying to keep up with half Jake over here who's just <laughs> dominating the scale every single day, and it's okay to admit that you have problems. It's okay. We're, we're to the point now in society where everybody is fallible and nothing is perfect. And we're starting to deal with that. And, and we have to come around as leadership. You know, they have to, they have to, we <laughs> locked on youths is pl plenty imperfect. And <laughs> we, we try to admit it as much as possible. Right. It should be but very clear. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Hope the levels are okay. We're working on it. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, we have to, they have to be open and upfront about a lot of this, which is, I thought George did a good job of, about that in his comments for the most part. 
And and the fact that he's willing to say to people, I'm not going to talk about that, I respect that. I really do. Sure. I know that maybe the layperson doesn't, but I think there are enough smart people out there who do. And the people who don't respect it are probably not the ones that are really driving forces within your fan bases and things like that. They're more the outliers. Yeah. It, I don't know. It just Of all the good things I felt like came out of Media Day, that one I feel like might have been the, the biggest um, – Negative coming out of media day. Misnomer? Misnomer. Yeah, there we go. Biggest misnomer coming out of media day. Like, nicely done. Nice Way to, way to tie it back together, my friend. If uh, nothing else, Merton taught us a new word. Well, taught me a new word anyways. Yeah, good old misnomer. That's one that you can add to your repertoire. There's no problem using that one. All right, Brian. Well, we'll wrap up today's show and actually focus on the University of Utah, the football program for the Utes, where they were picked in the polls that came out yesterday. We'll touch on that here in just a moment. But first, you mentioned the fact that you're a big fan of cookies, Brian. I know you're a big fan of our, our next sponsor, and that's our good friends over at Built Bar. I enjoyed a absolutely delicious grasshopper cookie flavor yesterday. I'm having to ration myself on these, Brian, because I don't know when the grasshopper cookie flavor is going to come back around as a limited time flavor, but boy howdy, I absolutely enjoyed it. Yeah, I loaded up because it's one of my favorites. You and I both talked about it, got to sample it ahead of time. We knew what was coming. We tried to talk it up here on the podcast. I hope that you all got a box as well. We talk about my cookie addiction. The The real solution to it is another built Bar rather than reaching for the cookies. And it's because they're a very healthy alternative to that kind of thing. If you're feeling a, a sweet attack, it's a good way to get around that using whey pro- protein up to 18 grams, less than 5 grams of sugar, under 200 calories. These are good, healthy alternatives to the sweet stuff. And we all have a sweet tooth. There's no doubt about it. Yeah, let's look at the macros, for example. So most of the flavors, 17 grams of protein, only 130 calories, just 4 grams of sugar, and only 4 grams of net carbs. A few of them have 18 grams of protein, 180 calories, 5 grams of sugar, and 5 grams of net carbs. They are the delicious option whenever that, like Brian mentioned, that kind of sweet tooth attack happens to hit you. So reach for a Built Bar. Get over there and order your favorite flavors today. I would highly recommend you check out the Cherry Barcia. It is one of my favorites. But while you're at Built.com placing that order, you can use the promo code LOCKED15, L-O-C-K-E-D-1-5, for 15% off your next order. Promo code LOCKED15, once again, at Built.com. And get enjoying the best-tasting protein bars with Built Bar. All right, now let's get to the actual Utes part of the Locked on Utes podcast, Brian, with Pac-12 Media Day in the rearview mirror. Early yesterday morning, the official media poll came out predicting what the media at large believe is going to happen in the conference this year. In the North Division, let's talk about the North for a moment here, Oregon, the overwhelming favorite in the North Division, 38 first-place votes of the 40 available. Washington picked up the other two. Uh, Oregon very much the favorite in the North. Should we be surprised by that in any way, shape, or form? Maybe a little bit, just because it is still a pretty inexperienced Oregon team, and they are replacing the second most important position to them on the field in in quarterback. Uh, The counter to that is just the amount of talent that they have on the defensive side of the football. Kayvon Thibodeau, uh, probably the most talked about defensive player in the conference right now. And for good reason, they have Justin Flo, uh, Noah Sewell, just a slew of returners and, and incoming uh, just ballers is the only way to put it. And and they've got plenty of weapons on the offensive side of the ball as well. C.J. Verdell, uh, Johnny Johnson, uh, 
you know, the list goes on and on. Uh, just have to figure out the quarterback position, have to replace a lot of starters on the offensive line. Well, I guess technically last year they did, but it's hard to count 2020. Yeah. So that part of it is surprising, but uh, I think the juggernaut that is Oregon football continues to roll forward. They're riding a lot of duck tails, Jake. Oh, nicely done. Well done. But let's flip over and talk about the South Division because that's where Utah resides. Uh, the poll came out as such. Number one, USC, 27 first-place votes, 223 points overall. Number two, Utah, six first-place votes, 183 points. Number three, Arizona State, also six first-place votes, 170 points. So the Utes picked to finish second in the Pac-12 South. I don't think that's necessarily out of the realm of what we considered going into Pac-12 Media Day, but I do have to admit, Brian, seeing USC as the apparently overwhelming favorite to win the Pac-12 South, I was surprised by that. You know, I was, but I'm also kind of not because I think two things. One, USC is always going to have the most talent and when you're looking at what's returning for them, Keaton Slovis is a three-year starter now. They're returning some real studs in the in the Drakes, both Drake Jackson, Drake London. Uh, there are Brew McCoy now will finally have been integrated with the team, and they did do a pretty good job through the transfer portal in, in acquiring some players there. That being said, it's still Clayton Helton's show, and really, how good is Keaton Slovis? I know that the press surrounding him is great, but this is the typical. Um, Branding machine that is USC, right? Whoever it is that's going to be starting at quarterback is going to be a quote-unquote first-round guy and, and really set to take the reins and blah, 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 whatever it is that they like to say out there. And I think that's part of the problem is that anybody who really looks and break down breaks down the teams here, everybody has flaws, right? Yeah. USC, we really don't know how good they are as a coaching staff. Clay Helton, the fact that he's still here is... Well, let's be honest. USC fans will tell you that this team is winning in spite of Clay Helton. So, And they might not be wrong. I, I like Clay Helton the person. I think this job is a little bit too much for him. It would sure as heck be too much for me. There's no way I could run USC. Uh, I, I will stick to, like, the Occidentals and the smaller schools, you know. So if any of you out there listening want to want to hook a guy up, let, let's do this. Locked on Occidental would be great to run in addition to locked on Utes. But the, the point I'm trying to make here is that every team has a flaw. Utah's flaw is that they're replacing their terrible – shouldn't say that – their, their bumpy quarterback play from last year um, with a five-time fifth-year senior, four-year starter, 9,500 yards passing, who has done nothing but win games while at Baylor. Yeah. No, that. And, that and maybe some inexperience in the defensive backfield. I, I, you know, so I guess the point that <laughs> uh I'm surprised, I guess, <laughs> is, is what I'm trying to say here. I think that Utah, probably for people who really looked at it, would have seen that and realized, like, wait a second, Kyle Whittingham is on this division for two of the last three years, even longer than that, really. They've been a player, and you have all these programs who are returning with more questions. I mean, Herm Edwards and ASU, what a way to start your press conference off. Hey, by the way, we're not going to talk about the biggest <laughs> story about our team in the offseason, so just don't even ask. Yeah, don't I ask. Joked on yeah, I joked on Twitter it was the best in-game adjustment that Her Herm's ever made, so you know maybe he's learning something there. Look at you go. Well done. Throwing a jab down there at ASU. I, I think you're kind of like you, you follow the, you're in the market, but uh -huh. you probably have a little better perspective. Like, like why do you think it was that this all came out the way that it did? Well, it's USC. It, they, it's USC. I, 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 and 
any of you who are saying, well, why are you saying just it's USC, Jake? You don't know the history of this conference, frankly, because USC has been the Leviathan. They have been the Goliath. They have been the, I don't know, use whatever term you want. They have been the big dog in this conference for far too long. And when they have a decent-looking team or just a downright scary-looking team, they're going to be the overwhelming favorite. So uh, did I expect Utah to be a little closer to USC in the standings there? Yes, I did. I thought they'd maybe get a, a scoop up a few more first-place votes and make it a little tighter. But it's just when USC is supposed to be good, using air quotes here, well, everybody kind of buys into the hype. And we're going to find out. And That's the good news if you're Utah. Player, administrator, Kyle Whittingham is the head coach. You're going to preach to your guys. They think you guys can't catch up to those guys. Let's go kick their rear ends. Yeah, I was talking to a couple of people around the, surrounding the program, and I said I thought that was the perfect situation for a Kyle Whittingham coach team. You know how good you are. We've seen the moves that they've made. You can move in silence, you know, a little bit and under fly under the radar, but you now have that that in your back pocket that they don't repre- they don't appreciate you, they don't respect you. You can go out and show them when you go to L.A. And that's really the key to this season is if Utah beats USC, that swings the door wide open for them in the South. And listen, it's been a competitive series. I, I will give Clay Helton and his group a ton of credit. They've done their fair, you know, fair amount of due diligence. When Utah's really had the horses and the squads and the experience, we've seen some pretty dominant performances from the Utes against USC. The one last carryover is can you do it in L.A.? I think they were two jump balls away from that two years ago. Yeah. Uh, that's the fun part is you now circle October 9th on the calendar, and that is the big game. There's no doubt about that. Down there in the L.A. Coliseum, we'll be looking forward to that. The good news is, Brian, we only got like we barely scratched the surface on some of the topics coming out of Pac-12 Media Day. It's going to carry us as we get ready for fall camp upcoming. The good news is, Brian, with Media Day out of the way, the season's here, plain and simple. The season is here, and looking forward to be covering it every single day with all of you guys. That'll do it for this edition of Locked on Utes. Before we go, though, Brian, the floor is yours for any wisdom you'd like to dispense upon our listeners. Yeah, I, I'm going to take a page from Britton Covey's book and say that we're going to temper the expectations, but I'm looking forward to it. So if you all will just lower the bar a little bit for Locked on Utes and, and let us do our thing, no, but seriously – Thank you, everybody who reaches out and listens. I, I, I get it that this is, you know, we're one step above amateurs in some respect. But at the same time, like Jake and I love doing this. We have a lot of fun with it and, and we want to build it. We're, we're just grateful to have you along for the ride. And I think this thing is only getting better as more people get on board. So sincerely, thank you to everyone. And man, it's so close, Jake. It tastes like a built bar. It tastes so good. <laughs> there you go. All right, that'll do it. A big thank you for all your support. Follow the show on social media at Locked On Utes. Reach out to us via email if you got questions, concerns, advertising inquiries, no matter what it might be. Reach out anytime, LockedOnUtes at gmail.com. All right, that'll do it. This has been the Locked On Utes podcast for July 28th, 2021, and we will talk to you guys manana. Manana.